first educate yourself because uh, there's a million ways to invest in real estate, but uh, you know, educate yourself and find a way that makes the most sense to you and then network with other investors uh, because it's going to go so much faster when you have other people that you're working with and then take action. Uh, you know, that's really what comes down to. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, and they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Well, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexhammer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great on this beautiful January day. How about yourself? Yeah, January 2020. I was reminded we are in a new decade. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that until somebody just told me. Um, so we got a new decade. We, uh, we're going to be crushing 2020. We're going to be crushing the 20s. Um, the, the wasn't like the roaring 20s? Yeah, the roaring 20s. Yeah, the roaring 20s. So uh, it's going to be a great decade. I'm looking forward to uh, 2020 and uh, looking forward to just, just a fantastic month here, a fantastic year. And um, anything new? with you interesting new exciting uh i'm making some progress on my book about real estate so that's that's good uh i started a daily journal this year that i'm uh, keeping up with so far okay and that's helping me to stay focused on my goals and, and you, what i'm are, thankful are, for are you a new year's resolution guy not really uh when i need to make a change in my life i just make it when the time is right yeah um you, know, you don't wait until New Year's and then fail three weeks later. No, not usually. I, <laughs> you know, I requested a this a journal for Christmas and I got it from one of my family members. Uh, so got it. That's why I started it recently. Got it. Yeah, I'm not a New Year's resolution. I've never really been one. I have. I've, I don't know if I've ever truly made a, like a New Year's resolution before, but I am a goal person, so I do create goals. And I'm not saying New Year's resolutions are bad, uh, but you know we want to be creating goals and trying to keep them and focus on them all throughout the year. Um, well, yeah. So, so for me, um, I think one of the big focuses right now is we got this conference coming up in April. Uh, so we still got several months to go, but we are working on doing some marketing on that and also getting the speakers lined up. We've got quite a few speakers lined up. If anybody uh, wants to check out the website. I believe we've got it uh, updated with most of the speakers we have confirmed and we've got several other speakers uh, that we'll be announcing soon. So, uh, so excited to just continue to that and you know, have good conversations with people that we want to have speaking and, and putting some thought into who is going to add a lot of value. There's a lot of great options. Uh, there's a lot of fantastic people out there that could add a lot of value. So but we want to be you know, selective. And uh, also we want to have some different people 
this year from last year as well. So if people want to check that out, it's nreconference.com. They can check out the speaker list and, of course, buy tickets. We'd love to see them there. Uh, well, let's talk about today's topic, Matt. You want to introduce it? Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to talk about getting started in real estate, which the conference is actually a good uh, stepping point to get networking, learn things. But uh, today we're going to talk about some specific strategies for uh, just when you're getting started in real estate. Yeah. At the conference, it's going to be the gamut, right? So we're yep. going to be talking about getting started, but we're also going to be talking about expanding and continuing to build and to, to you know, do more than just uh, the first couple steps. We're going to be talking about how do you get to doing large commercial deals, multi, multi-million dollar, whether it's residential, you know, apartments or whether, sorry, commercial apartments or whether it's, you know, big industrial warehouses. We're going to talk about, you know, getting to those steps. So, but right now let's, let's talk about getting started. So Matt, lead us off. What, what's a way, one way for people to get started in real estate? How did you get started? Maybe I got started by bird dogging for another investor, which means oh. I found deals for another investor and then they paid me fees for the deals that they, they found that they, they wanted to invest in. That's really cool. I, I, you know, I know that's out there. I just didn't really think about it too much. I talk to people when they're asking about getting started in apartments. I say, well, you can find a deal. If you find me a deal, I would gladly either pay you a fee or potentially even if it's the right fit, have you in as an equity partner uh, on the deal. So that is a great way. So you found deals, uh, were these like multifamily deals? Were these single family deals? What kind Sing of deals were Single they? family, uh, yeah, down in Omaha actually. And okay. uh, so the investor- So were you living in Omaha? I was in Omaha at the time, yeah. Got it. And so I did uh, door knocking and passed out flyers and things like that. And how did, how did that go? Did, was it a good learning experience? Were you able to make some money doing it? How did that go? I made a little bit of money, but it, it was more about the learning experience of yeah. being able to, uh, you know, assess deals and, and find deals and talk to homeowners uh, uh, to be able to line things up so that I could have a good way to understand how to find my own deals uh, yep. later on when I started investing. And, so, and, and were you paid through equity or were you paid just a fee? Fee, just a fee. Fee-based. Okay, great. So that you did that. Was there another step then that you took after doing that to get your first deal that you that you actually took down? Well, I uh, saved up money for a down payment, and, and then uh, my first deal that I bought was uh, I house hacked. So that was a triplex, and I lived in one unit and rented out the other two. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the house hacking because I did not do that. I didn't have any people that uh, lived with. However, when I was in uh, college, I lived with a guy that was, I don't know if I'd call it doing that, kind of. He was renting out rooms. So he was a house hacking. I don't know if he was doing it kind of on purpose to, you know, I don't know if he would call it house hacking as an investor. I just think he had a house and he was a single guy. So he just had a couple of roommates. But um, but you, you did that experience. Uh, first, let's talk about you know, why did you do it and what did it allow for you? And then we can go into, you know, if you, whether you like doing it or not. Uh, well, the first reason was just to save money on, on rent. Uh, instead of paying somebody else, uh, you know, rent for them to make money off of their real estate, uh, you know, I, I went to 
small multifamily where I could live there, I could keep a close eye on the tenants, but they would pay for my mortgage payments and uh, bills as well uh, for the place. So I was living for free. When you bought it, okay, so you were, you were living for free. Um, when you moved out, would you still cash flow on the building or was it something that would lose money? Uh, by, by living there, I wasn't really cash flowing any, I was just kind of breaking even, but, but after moving out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the units, um, uh, from living in by renting that out. Yeah. That, that it was definitely a cash cow, uh, you know, from there. Okay. And I think that's really important. You know, I think you've got to look at the cash flow in the end when you eventually move out because people are going to eventually move and want to move out of there. Um, so it does, what does it do for you financially after that? Uh, is it something that you had to do a lot of work to? Some work. I originally got an FHA loan. So on yep. it, so the property didn't have too many things wrong with it. Uh, but uh, there were some you know, minor upgrades and things. Uh, the garage wasn't working, for example. So I got that fixed and and that was a hundred percent return on my investment from year one uh, for the garage fixing part. Did you rent that out then? Yep. Yep. And, and so while you were living it, were you fixing it or did you have to do those repairs first? Or, or? Uh, no, while I was living in it, I, I did those repairs. Got it. Got it. Um, did you like the experience? It was a really great experience of, learning what it takes to make a cash flowing property. I you know, made some mistakes, which I think human beings learn by making mistakes. So it was good for me to make mistakes, even though they cost me you know, tens of thousands of dollars at times, <laughs> but uh, it was, it's still profitable in the end. Yeah. So as far as like, so you've done two kind of basically two ways of getting started. You, you did the bird dogging, you did the house hacking. Did you do anything else? Uh, not from, yeah, yeah. Not from getting started anyway. Okay. So, so you did those two things, which, which one did you like better and why? Uh, I would say, you know, they were both good at different levels at different stages of my, uh, professional growth. You know, the bird dogging was good because I learned how to assess deals, find deals. And then I used that experience, uh, to help me later on when I started to look for a place to house hack. So I could assess places and, and see what was going to work out financially. But then the actually owning the real estate is what uh, was the most benefit uh, beneficial, I would say. Uh, you know, like in the last uh, real, North Star Real Estate Conference last year, one of the things that I, one of the speakers said is you can't learn how to ride a bike by going to a conference or reading a book. You have to do it. And the same is true with real estate. You have to do it to really understand it, to really feel it. Mr. Brian Doyle, I believe said that one. Yeah. Um, and, it, and that's so true. Maybe I gave the, the wrong speaker. Sorry if I, I did, but, um, that's so true. Yeah. You, you can't, you've got to actually do it. Um, so one thing I did, let's go back. Do you still have that property? Yep. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so one thing I did when I got started, and this is the way I got started and I did actually several things kind of at once. So I'll talk about all of them. So first thing I did is I lived in a wreck of a house. So I bought a foreclosure. It was, it should have been condemned. It wasn't, um, but it should have been condemned. We, we actually had to do some work prior to moving in because there was no working plumbing. Uh, it, it all was ripped out and, 
uh, trashed. And so we, we had to do that. But once that was done, we moved in and the house was still a wreck. Uh, <laughs> we fixed it as we lived in it, replaced all the windows, uh, you know, redid all the floors. Uh, you know, I think the kitchen was actually done, which was great, uh, but bathrooms and uh, just a, just a ton of work we had to do to it. We built a garage. We had to redo all the landscaping, of course, and sidewalks. And I mean, we we put in a lot of money into the property while we lived there. We lived there for about two and a half years and then sold it. And we bought our next place. And the next place was even worse. Uh, however, it was moving ready right away. But this thing was actually, this thing was bought by a guy flipping it. He was trying to flip it. Uh, back in like 2002 or three or something like that is when he bought it. He did all this renovating to it and did a horrible, horrible job. <laughs> You're listening. I'm sorry, but you did a terrible job. Um, it was super outdated when we bought it. Uh, this is a classic like four square uh, Victorian style house. Really, you know, really cool house, but had no character in it. And so we ripped out all the carpet. We ripped out the, the kitchen and, uh, did, like did just uh, bathrooms did everything we did an addition on the on the whole back of the house to be able to add bathroom and make a master bedroom and we had to build the garage on that one we put a new front porch on we did a ton of work we spent i don't know one hundred fifty thousand on that thing and then sold it and then we bought another house um and same thing so we've done that now three times and actually kind of a fourth because our first house, we bought a brand new house, but we finished the basement. And that one we didn't, made no money on because of the timing of the market. We actually luckily broke even um, on it. But so we've done it three times and we've, we've been able to continue to increase the, the value of our house while maintaining our mortgage amount. So, so right now today, our mortgage payment is less than our mortgage payment on our very first house yet our value dollar value of our first of our house currently is about five times more than our value of our very first house so our current house is worth five times more than our first house yet our mortgage is probably about half the price wow. so it's it it allowed us to really you know, not only get into a bigger house, which that wasn't really the purpose. The purpose was to continue to, to build equity in our, our property. So that was one way we got started. I would highly suggest that to anybody who wants to go through that process. Now it's a very trying process, right? Because you have to be willing to live in dust and debris and constant work. And, um, and I did physically, I did a lot of that myself. I have the skill set of doing that. Um, so it is a time consuming, uh, process and it is a trying process, especially with, uh, you know, we built a family while doing this and you know, we had our first, well, our only two kids, we had our two kids while going through this whole process. So that was interesting. Uh, the, we've always laughed. We should have videotaped it all and, uh, been on one of those, uh, you know, TV shows to, mm -hmm. <laughs> show the show that crazy process because it, it, it was wild um the other way i got started actually a couple different ways um i did some flipping so flipping is a way to get into rental properties you're creating that income to get into rental so you can flip 
a house, buy it, renovate it, and, and, uh, and sell it, or you can just wholesale it. But I did the buy, the renovate, and sell. And I got into my first many deals with using passive money. So uh, the very first deal, I partnered with a guy. I thought he had a bunch of money. He ended up not having a bunch of money, but he knew people with a bunch of money. Uh, brought money into the deals. And we, we partnered like that. We brought several other people with money into deals and continued to buy these flips. And then with the profit of the flips, would buy the rental properties. So that is another great way to get started. Uh, it does take some money, but again, if you can either use other people's money or use hard money, you can potentially get started with very little out of your own pocket. I got started with doing the flips with no money out of my pocket. And then the last way I got started was just buying a, a cheap house. And, you know, this was just used my capital, which it wasn't a lot at the time, but bought a cheap house, fixed it up, rented it, and then refinanced it and pulled all my money out of it. A lot of people call that the Burr method, the buy, renovate. Yeah, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Okay. So I was doing that before it had a fancy name, before it was cool. Um, and so I would buy a house and I did this a lot. Uh, buy a house, renovate it, rent it out, refinance, buy the next house, rent it, and so on. And sometimes we would be able to, almost every time we were able to pull all of our money out, but sometimes we'd actually be able to pull even some profit out on the refinance and still have a really good cash flowing property. So that's another fantastic strategy. And I highly suggest that to anybody that wants to go through that process. Now it's a little bit harder in today's market because of the numbers are harder to meet. Um, you've, got, when, you've got to be careful when you're buying this property, you've got to buy a property that once you renovate it has enough equity for you to pay, pull your money out. Okay. Yet the key and the kicker is it has to still cash flow nicely. Right. So I don't want to buy this house for, let's say $200,000, renovate it. Maybe now I'm all in at 250 and it appraises for 350. Okay. That's great. I got a bunch of equity, but if I refinance it and I get all that 250 out and now I only rent it for 1800 bucks a month, well, guess what? I'm losing money. When I look at all my expenses, I'm actually losing money. So I've got to make sure I'm making money on the deal. Otherwise it's not good. In that case, I would just sell that property and I wouldn't refinance it. It wouldn't make any sense. So I would want to be in, if I'm renting at 1800, I want to be all in more like 180 K have my, my mortgage be more like 150 K something somewhere around there. So you want to be careful when you're doing that and make sure you're doing it right and really be thinking, okay, what's, what am I doing? Like I want cash flow. That, that's super important. Cash is cash flow is important. So, Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. 
Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. So when people are wanting to get started either through house hacking or the birth strategy, what advice would you give them uh, when they are looking for a property, trying to line up financing and such? Well, for looking for a property, man, you're the, you're the expert on that. I mean, you, you did the bird dogging. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a couple of ways. I mean, going through the MLS is one way that can, that's challenging. Obviously right now in today's market, there's not a lot of deals, but I, I would say don't discount the MLS still. A lot of people discount the MLS. Well, that's when deals start to pop up when everybody's discounting that source. So I would still look at that source. Um, you know, broker, uh, it, relationships are good. Um, but in, in residential, most of that does still go on the MLS. So that's not as important. Um, but building relationships with wholesalers is, is a good, and wholesalers are like the bird dog kind of guy like you. Um, but they're doing it for themselves. Uh, and then doing it yourself where, you know, you're going door to door, you're getting the mailing list of, you know, out of state, um, you know, out of state property owners or, you know, whatever property owners that don't have a mortgage or you know, whatever it is, Divo- recent divorcees, whatever it is, you're getting those lists and you're mailing them and calling them and trying to get in touch with them. Um, well, it, was there any strategy that you liked more than the others? Well, I, I've mainly done MLS, but you know, I had a, a really good realtor that's been helping me. Uh, and, uh, I think the main thing was to be ready when, when a deal came up on MLS, you know, be ready, lightning fast, be that yeah. first person that can give the, the best uh, offer right away. So have your financing lined up, know your criteria really well, yeah. be ready to look at it day one and, uh, and put in that letter of intent uh, right, right away. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, that's obviously super important. You want to be ready. You want to, you don't want to mess around and, and wait and think and people that overreact or over analyze, I mean, are, are typically not getting a deal, especially in single family, multifamily, they don't go as fast, uh, but with single family, they can go so fast. So be prepared. Um, other ways, I mean, wholesaling, we've already, and that's basically bird dogging. You're finding a property and uh, you're getting under contract and then you're selling it uh, before you even typically before you close up, sometimes you close and then do another closing that same day. Uh, I've done some of that and it works well. Uh, it, it's obviously a transactional business, very much so. Um, so it's all about how much volume you can do. I would say it's a great beginner's way because it gets capital quickly. I don't think it's a, a great long-term strategy. And I wouldn't necessarily call that real estate investing. I would more like call that just I don't know, transact real estate transaction, you know, whatever you want to call it. So it's a job. It's same with flipping, honestly, flipping's a, a job. Um, you can build a business with flipping and wholesaling, but, 
I wouldn't call it investing necessarily, but it's great ways to get into investing. Fantastic ways to get into investing. Uh, what other ways, Matt? Uh, let's, let's go next to my favorite way, which is passive investing. Uh, you know, you know, putting your money in and then not having to do any work, uh, but getting yep. money back. Yep. Yeah. So passive investing in other people's deals and, and you could do that through, uh, a syndication, like a multifamily syndication or any commercial syndication. Um, you could do that through, I wouldn't necessarily call this exactly passive investing, but it's, it's close is you can do this by buying a, like a triple net lease, like a Walgreens or something like that. That's pretty close to passive investing. Um, or, you know, in, in, you could be a hard money lender. You can lend your money out to other people that are doing flips. You could, you could do that process. Or the last thing is you could buy notes. And again, that's not passive investing necessarily, but, uh, being a note buyer too is another uh, way. You know, those are as far as ways to get started. Those can be good ways to get started, but they are capital intensive. So you have to come with capital, right? Because the only way to get going is with money. So you have to have your own money. Um, so that that is a way to get started and a great way to get started. And quite frankly, I wish I would have done that with uh, when I when I want to transition into apartments, which was way earlier than what I ended up doing. I wish I would have passively invested in a couple people's deals because I think that would have not only got me started quicker, but obviously would have made me some money as well. So uh, I think that's a great way to get your foot in the door, understand what people are doing right and wrong in deals. You get to see the deals, you get to, you get to analyze them, you get to see the monthly or quarterly reports, all that kind of stuff and see what they're doing right and wrong. And then there's crowdfunding, which is a, another passive way of investing. You yeah, know, that's yeah. getting bigger and bigger too. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, crowdfunding is a syndication. It's yep. just, they call it crowdfunding because it's done through the crowd. So um, the other way um, to, or there's several, I guess, other different ways. I mean, you can partner with, with people. And you can do that in various different ways. I mean, everybody's got certain skill sets. So if you can figure out a certain skill set that you're good at, you can do that. Um, so I've got people that are underwriting deals for me. And part of the agreement is I'm paying them hourly, but also we're paying them probably less than, or I am paying them less than what they otherwise would make because once we get a deal, they get some equity in it. So they're trading a little bit of their, their time for their, the potential for the equity. So they're underwriting. Um, you know, there's just people that are, are raising money for, for other syndications. Um, that's a way to do it. You got to be careful with that. I don't want to tell you to go out and raise a bunch of money for other people because you've got to be very careful how you're doing it. Um, but there's ways to go about that. Um, so there's ways to partner with companies, bring your skill sets into that company and, and potentially get some of the deal. Yeah, and a great way to meet other investors uh, that uh, can help you, with, you know, that you can partner with. Uh, meetups are a great way. Conferences like the North Star Real Estate Conference, uh, going online at forums, uh, yep, uh, like Bigger Pockets. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, cool. I don't know. If, uh, is there any other you know ways to get started that you can think of off the top of your head? Uh, not specific ways, you know, just in general, I advise new 
you know, new investors, you know, first educate yourself because uh, there's a million ways to invest in real estate, but uh, you know, educate yourself and find a way that makes the most sense to you and then network with other investors uh, because it's going to go so much faster when you have other people that you're working with and then take action. Uh, you know, that's really what comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Take, take an action. I mean, you know, you want to be cautious and careful, but you do have to take action. You can't just sit on the sidelines forever. Otherwise, well, it's just eventually you're going to get out of the game. If you don't take action, you're never going to, never going to start. I know a lot of people that are, are, you know, want to be real estate investors and they're probably never, you know, do anything. So awesome, Matt. Well, that's all I got for today. Uh, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.